is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. Although I'm probably the last person to say this to you, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021, a year that I hope is like no other, but in an entirely different way than how 2020 was a year like no other. We're going to start this year of episodes off with Matt Markins. Matt has dedicated his life to child discipleship, so I wanted to hear his thoughts on how he thinks discipleship is going nine months into this pandemic. Specifically, Matt shares wisdom on what he views as the most critical conversation you can be having with your church community now and what you can do if you are part of a community where you aren't seeing child discipleship happen. If you really want to dig into this conversation, check out the show notes today. Matt references a couple articles that I made sure are linked wherever you're listening to this. And if you don't know what the show notes are, just search online the name of the platform that you're using to listen to this and the word show notes, and they'll walk you through it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Here is Matt Markins on the Resilient Disciples podcast. In the context of this pandemic, you know, we're nine months in. So just at a really high level as we start this conversation, how do you feel like we're doing? How do you feel like Kidman Ministries, churches around the country, the process of child discipleship, how is that going uh, right now? maybe even compared to how it would have been going in January of 2020. Well, happy new year, Ross. It's good to be with you. And I, I think of two things immediately right off the bat. The first thing I think of is, first of all, the, the children's ministry community is is pretty beautiful. You know, I think of like a bouquet. So it's, it's almost like saying, you know, describe the bouquet of flowers. You know, well, there's a, there's a lot of depth and texture and different colors. So there's so much diversity. So to ask, how is the Kidman community doing, I think where there's just so much complexity and diversity in there. There's, there's a lot we could dig into, but yeah. I just want to, first of all, start with the beauty of the bouquet. Uh, the children's ministry community, I think is resilient, beautiful, powerful. I mean, these are people who are willing and passionate and called to work with children where other people say, no, I'm going to stick with the big kids. I'm going to stick with the adults. <laughs> Uh, but these are these are people that that see children how Christ sees kids, and it's the future of the church. It's where where p- human beings are most open to being shaped, and so it's some of the most powerful, most strategic, and influential work. So I, I would say, in one sense, from a really high level, this is a group of amazing, resilient people. They're beautiful, and we love them. Uh, but I imagine they're pretty tired and exhausted. You know why? So let's get into that second part of the response. I think I think it's it's discouraging, Ross, um, because of the the lack of engagement. Um, there, there's a couple articles I'm going to reference in our time together. A couple of leaders in recent months who have published some articles that I think that we should all be paying attention to. Yeah, and I, I think the reason they're exhausted is because we're working probably twice as hard, and we're getting uh, a much lower engagement. The, the what's being reported from churches publicly and and into influencers we're connected to. Um, is just the low level of engagement. Um, Dale Hudson, uh, children's ministry thought leader, um, wrote an article just recently and said that a mega church that he's consulting with that would normally have 600 kids engaged on, on a weekend, they have about 100 kids engaged right now. And not only that, they're just not engaging as much in the online opportunities. So, so how's the children's ministry community doing? They're resilient, they're hardworking, they're hustling like more so than even ever before. And at the same time, 
um, it's discouraging to see the the level of engagement right now. So, yeah, and I want I want to start there because I think one of the things that I always try to do with this podcast is understanding that folks who are listening to this have a wide variety, a bouquet, if you will, of uh, church backgrounds and local contexts. But what I hope people hear is even just you acknowledging the ways that they may be tired, right? They, you might be the first person who's telling them that it's okay to be tired or that this has been a tiring process in the context of their ministry. I think this community in particular gets wrapped up in trying to get to the next Sunday, trying to do the right thing. It's such a self-sacrificial group of people that you and I have the privilege of trying to serve. Now, you had mentioned that this is, or one of the things I, I should say, one of the things that I'm mindful of is when this first happened, it was, you know, it, the, we all kind of had to hunker down, right? Quite literally in, with stay-at-home orders. But now you've seen a level of innovation. You've seen churches that are, like you spoke to, incredibly resilient during this process. And that engagement piece that you mentioned, there are churches who are seeing just, there's quantifiable engagement, and then there's engagement that you can't wrap numbers around that the kids who are there are on Zoom and are distracted. The kids that are there in person, because that makes sense for your community context, that um, they're not as willing to engage with their leadership as they were previously. And one of the things that I think is unique about your you in particular is your incredible focus on discipleship. So I want to ask, how has the process of discipleship changed? Now that we're more into this, now that we all kind of know what to do, what our context looks like during the pandemic. How has child discipleship changed or has it not even changed during this? Well, your, your question's revealing because, you know, we first have to kind of define what is discipleship. Like what, what do we do with kids that results in effective discipleship? And this is clearly, this is why we wrote the book Resilient, published almost 12 months ago at this point. Uh, Resilient Child what a Discipleship year. and the Fearless. Yeah, Child Discipleship and the Fearless Future of the Church. We wrote this book because children's ministry can be an effort from our local church or a broader community that's focused on discipling kids. But children's ministry can also be a flurry of activities ranging from really good, fruitful, effective activities to things that are far less fruitful or even important, right? So I think the first thing I would want to respond to is, what is effective child discipleship? And as, as through all of our research and as we defining it, find it, it's a, a children's ministry that's focused on belonging, believing, becoming belonging. That's, that's relationships that engage kids that where kids feel known, seen, loved, heard, understood, and they feel safe with these adults who are, who I can trust. And through them, mm -hmm. I see the eyes of Jesus. Right. And so the second portion is believe that's deeply scriptural where the Bible comes alive because I love this adult who's caring for me, who's communicating what God's word means. And I can understand it. And the Holy spirit can get really active in that type of a dynamic collision between relationships and the scripture. And then the third part uh, become that's experiences, kids being able to learn actively through experiences and engaging. So when you have belonging, believing, becoming relationships, scripture and experiences all colliding together, um, that's an environment where God just follow the numbers, look at scripture, look at the research. Uh, that's an environment where um, God does a lot of a fruitful, effective work with kids. So we see that as effective child discipleship. So when you ask the question, you know, where is discipleship now? Uh, once again, I, I feel like we have to answer this uh, maybe in two ways. And in, in, in one hand, 
Um, we've seen more creativity. I'm so proud of the church for not giving up and getting creative mm-hmm. and trying to reach into the home through Zoom, through YouTube, through Facebook Live, through Zoom, all of these efforts. But Ross, at the same time, what we're hearing back, not only from the church, but from these thought leaders that we, that we work with who are in touch with many, many boots on the ground churches and leaders, what we're hearing is just the, the results that the engagement is still really low. We, there are a lot of families that churches just can't get a hold of. They have been absent for some yeah. time now. So, so how is discipleship in this new year? Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people hustling, a lot of people trying hard, but the numbers or the engagement is limited and the life on life interaction is significantly limited as well. So let's talk about that. Because when I think about a lack of engagement, my sort of problem-solving brain kind of kicks in, right? And we got to solve the lack of engagement, right? We've got to get folks re-engaged. But yet I'm mindful of the ways in which we have now begun to set patterns and habits that are within the pandemic, right? Like in little ways, right? Like I don't know where my to-go travel cup of coffee is anymore because I don't go anywhere, right? But in big significant ways like church habits and, and families within the church. Can you speak to the what it would take, what it would cost to begin like the work of getting families re-engaged. You know, what does that process look like for folks who maybe feel like discipleship has stopped and they want to get discipleship restarted, but what concerns you about the lack of engagement right now? Ross, as it relates to a fruitful, faithful, effective ministry with children, I think you just asked the most important question of 2020. I think, I think that is the, the question. So let, let's assume, let's just kind of uh, assume for a moment that the vaccine is going to get distributed quickly and effectively uh, you know, by May, June, July, and this, we're at a different spot and the church is thinking, okay, you know, a, a high percentage of our families are going to be ready and feel sure. safe to re-engage. If that, let's assume that's the case. Um, it's going to take a lot of energy to get the church back up and running where you have enough volunteers, mm-hmm. child disciple makers, leaders mm-hmm. who are, who are ready to say, I'm ready to re-engage. I was on a, I was on a zoom call yesterday with, with a mega church, a well-known mega church uh, uh, in the Midwest. And they said, Matt, we, we not only have a huge weekend ministry, our midweek ministry is 900 kids. And we're oh, currently, gracious. we're currently engaging only 300 children out of the 900, the normal 900 right now. And they said, we're, we're, we're pretty good at this. We know what we're doing, right? but even we've gotten lazy. They said, even we've gotten lazy and we, we've kind of settled in. And, and she said, we're going to get ramped up back for the fall, though, because this this is our passion. It's our mission. And it's why we live. But she asked, what about the church that doesn't quite have the same mentality and passion that we do? And that probably represents a large number of churches. So, so as we think about what are the strategic questions the children's ministry should be asking, it's if the vaccine uh, continues uh, to get distributed and, and the, 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 the rate of spread and the death and all of that begins to fall significantly. And if we think that's going to happen by the fall, how do we get ready to re-engage children and the family for the fall. I think that that's the question that churches need to be having, that we need to be having that discussion now, and we need to start preparing now 
uh, to get those volunteers, disciple makers. I would say start with vision, get them pumped up, remind them of the calling that they have from Christ. It's the most important work on the planet. Yeah. And then go into preparing them, whether it's training, equipping, um, all the communication messaging that we need to do to get them ready to reengage in July, August, September, and beyond. Yeah, because I think what you're speaking to is both a, a Kidman uh, challenge, but an opportunity within the church because we've all gone through this universal experience together, right? We know yep. that it is so tempting to be so radically focused on the short term, just getting to the next Sunday. I've been, you know, leaders within volunteer ministries within churches and have literally said that of like, we just got to get through this Sunday, right? That short term pressure feels so apparent. And yet, part of the beauty of the work and working with children is that you are inherently focused on the long term. Right. Child discipleship is inherently a long game. And to be successful in that long game, we have to start having that conversation now. I think it might be helpful for folks who maybe are pastors or people who are not necessarily directly engaged in the world of Kidman. If you can help articulate the ways in which this conversation is so different than the conversation that people were having in January of 20 of 2020. Right. Because people forget this all started in March, right? So January, yeah. 2020, not only did we launch the Resilient Disciples podcast, right? You guys, we released the Resilient book, right? We, there was a lot of big plans that were happening for, you know, not to ask you to speak for a gigantic group of people, but to literally ask you to speak for a gigantic group of people. What are the conversations that we are having now compared to what we were having before? Because I, th- I want people to really hear explicitly the urgency of this message of beginning this conversation um, to be ready for the fall or whenever you're going to restart as soon as possible. Well, one, one of our, for one of the friends of our ministry and the friends, one of the friends of the children's ministry community at large, uh, Sam Luce, uh, you can find his writing and thinking at samluce.com. Uh, but he, he published an article um, a few months back uh, <laughs> with a pretty audacious title. Uh, if you want to Google this, uh, but the title is, I think we are going to have to start over. So that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, thought to start with. It's a good headline, yeah. But but we when I read this, I felt like boy, Sam Sam read has been reading our email. You know, he's been reading our <laughs> minds, and so I appreciate how uh, just the closeness of thinking and and of heart uh, to to Jesus, the Scripture, and the Gospel that we have with Sam. Um, but a lot of what he's saying here res- it, it aligns with what we were questions we were asking pre pandemic. Uh, the pandemic just revealed questions uh, that we were asking before. So he's got five thoughts here in this article that I think are, are worth noting. And the first thing he points out here in this article is that discipleship needs more thought and investment than our ministry environments. If you, if you look at a lot of the conversation of children's ministry the last decade, it's been about that Sunday morning experience. Let's make sure we have an environment that's creative, exciting, welcoming, so that we can uh, pull off our Sunday morning experience, which is high action, engaging for children. Well, guess what? The pandemic shut every bit of that down. Right. And so how can we move more of our energy away from our Sunday morning environment to, huh, what is it that actually effectively disciples kids like that? Yeah. That's where uh, he actually um, says a couple important sentences here. He said, what things do we need to teach and how can we teach them to kids in a way that creates lifelong faith in Christ? And I love this last sentence. These need to consume our thoughts 
and drive our budgets. So I think Sam is right on there. So a couple more, I won't read all of them, but a couple more critical thoughts he has here is we need to rely more on training live teachers and less on video elements. Even in our even in our all online environment, which we've done quite a bit of yeah. um, the last nine months or so, even in our, he, what he's trying to say is playing a video is nice, but a real human being engaging over Zoom or YouTube or Facebook, like that, like that is, is more engaging to that child on the other side of Zoom. Totally. Um, but, but we can also translate that back into our Sunday morning or midweek spaces. Like we need real human beings engaging with kids. And all, again, all the research continues to, to back that up. And then the third, third thing he says that I'll mention here is that small group leaders are going to have to know kids better you know our children uh, need to be seen known and loved and they, they need real uh, human uh, interaction thanks for listening we'll be right back let's talk about moms we know the impact a mom can make in her home community and the kingdom of god we know that when a mom encounters jesus it's exponential discipleship because her family does as well. And for nearly 50 years, Mops International has used the common experience of motherhood to create opportunities for women and their families to encounter Jesus. They partner with churches and organizations like Awana worldwide to equip and encourage moms in more than 70 countries. Through their ministry, they remind women that they're not alone, that motherhood is significant, and that Jesus calls them beloved. In addition, they give them the tools they need so that moms can thrive and feel equipped to disciple the next generation in Christ's name. As Mops approaches a half century of impact, they recognize that shifting cultural norms and a global pandemic are creating a pivotal moment of opportunity. Moms are more isolated and stressed than ever before. We all know that moms need community now more than ever. Whether you're a mom or you just know a mom, I want you to join Mops. I want you to support the moms in your community. By serving or donating, you are offering hope and introducing moms to Jesus. Visit mops.org to learn more. And I want to go back to that main question. And that main question that I think we need to be asking, the church needs to be asking is, how can we get the... get the church ready for the fall? How can we get church ready for post-vaccine or, or mid-vaccine, post-vaccine uh, when families are ready to be re-engaged or when we have to help them figure out, you know, this is worth re-engaging. So yeah. I think that's where the majority of the energy has to go right now. Yeah. Cause I think too, just even in, you know, we, we have this conversation around how long believe become, right. But I think about the ways in which people have to begin to understand that maintaining that connection, maintaining that relationship, even if you feel like you're being ghosted by those parents will, uh, can pay off, right? That it's yeah. worth sending that extra, that text that you're not sure they're going to respond to because come the fall, they may finally be in a position where they're ready to respond and that energy now can pay off. Yep. And it's, and it's Ross, it's not just the families. It's our volunteer base as well. Um, yeah. you know, uh, Dale Hudson uh, from Building Children's Ministry, uh, you can search out his blog, um, he says near the end of his article, he said, and it's not just the kids, thousands of volunteers across the country have stepped back from serving. This has made things even more 
challenging. So when you combine that with what he's saying here, which is that thousands of kids who are no longer attending church on a consistent basis, as weeks turn into months and months turn into an entire year, this is going to have significant ramifications. And he says near the end of his article, we already know that 13% of Gen Z children are atheists. And so, th- and this is more than double the amount of uh, their adult counterparts who claim uh, to be atheists. So when you combine all this together, wh- what has happened is it's created an opportunity. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I'm saying it's created an opportunity for children and their families to grow more distant from the church. And unless our volunteer base is equipped they're kind of in the dugout they're ready to march out onto the field uh so we've got to start working on that dugout right now right now in january february march we've got to start working on getting these key volunteers and disciple makers and leaders ready to re-engage to get ready for post-vaccine so you know you are someone who obviously has a different position than this but i'm sure that some of the churches that we are in contact with have are doing the work of preparing that dugout right are doing the work of uh, making sure that they are, they're t- doing the work now so that they can do potentially the more direct work later of investing in discipling and kids. What does that look like in preparing the dugout? All right. So here, here's, uh, let's just make this really uh, scalable. Let, let's yeah. say I'm, I'm a kids pastor in a church of 200 people. So, so if you're, if you're a smaller church, that's even smaller than that. Or if you're a larger church, like this, this is an attainable scenario, right? So if I'm a children's pastor in a church of 200 people, let's say I've got 45 children in my children's ministry, maybe 45 to 60. I I don't know what the number is necessarily, but uh, let's say I've got around that number. uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to write down on a post-it note, who are the five most influential people in making my children's ministry happen. You know, maybe a couple of them are my key volunteers. One of them is an influencer in the church and another one uh, is, is a semi-engaged volunteer, but they're pretty faithful and important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write those five names down on a, on a post-it note and I'm going to pray for them every day. And I'm going to invite them to have coffee, whether that's over Zoom or in person. I don't know what's going on in their community with the virus, right. but I'm going to invite them to have either coffee or virtual coffee with me. And I'm going to send them these two articles by Sam Luce and Dale Hudson. I'm going to say, hey, could you please read these two? And let's just set aside 45 minutes to talk about these. And I'm going to have these strategic conversations with the, these five most influential people. And out of, I want to end these discussions with saying, you know, with asking, our, do you agree? Do you, do you agree that this is one of the most significant questions we could be asking in 2021 is how do we get the family ready to reengage in the fall? And, and I, think, I think because people have a, a vision and a passion to reach children effectively, I think many of those five are going to say, yeah, this is big. We've got to figure out how to get our church ready. So I'm going to work with those five people. I'm going to work with those five people on how to put the plan together to get the message out with the right next level down volunteers. You know, we're going to go from five to what? We're going to go from five to eight or five to 12. And we're going to get the next group of people because they're, they're going to be your key people who are going to get help you get those other volunteers re-engaged. Now, if, now, if you're on a staff of five people on your children's ministry team, that team is helping you do this. But if you're in that church of 200, you've got to start with those five most influential people, get them on page with the vision that this is one of the key strategies and tasks of our year, because we want to fulfill the mission of the church. Uh, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And those five people are going to help us 
get the next level of key volunteers ready. Then we've got our core alliance. We've got our group of our coalition of people who are in, who are on on the same page who are going to help us go into the summer and get the rest of our volunteers ready to go for the fall. Amen. And what I hope too is that the person who's listening to this who just cares about kids, right? They are a senior pastor, they are a engaged volunteer, they are a relative of mine, right? Who's listening to this conversation who isn't necessarily invested in that day-to-day work, but cares about the future of the faith. I hope that they also hear that as a call to action to do whatever they can to support this work that's happening. Because I know from firsthand experience that being able to be engaged in the life of a child right now is the thing that gives me the most hope about not only the future of the faith, but literally the future of the world. So you've spoken about the, the amount of energy it's going to take to get people re-engaged. And you've begun to lay out a path for people that this is work that can start right now. Because whether you're restarting in September or August, or you're still going and you're still trying to navigate it, there is an urgency to this conversation. So after you've gotten this sort of key coalition of folks together, right? How does that conversation broaden to the church at large? How do we take that next step to make sure that the entire church, not just those invested in kid ministry, are um, as focused on the future of the faith as the people who are listening to this podcast are? Well, there's two ways I would answer that. The, one of them is, you know, singles and doubles win baseball. And the other one is we, we won't say no to a grand slam. So let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about the singles and doubles first. Uh, the single and double is it's not just enough to build that guiding coalition. It's the guiding coalition then has to take the next steps. Yeah. And so it, it is with a level of urgency. We can't, we can't keep putting this off and like, Oh, this is something we'll take care of in May or June or even later. Like this is something we got to do now. So, so this, this guiding coalition has to have that list. They have to have now their list. What is their list of two, three, four, five people that are the next level down volunteers or resource providers for the children's ministry. So we can't take our foot off the gas pedal of urgency. Uh, that team has to put together and you as the leader, if you're listening to this has to put together the next le- the next level down action item, which is they've got to start talking to the rest of the volunteers. And at some point we gather them together, but I would say gather them together in the spring before we get to the end of the school year. Again, gathering meaning that may be on zoom right. or maybe in person based on your own local uh, re- regulation. So gather them together and we are casting vision and we are training and equipping and equipping and making sure that we're going to hit the fall, July, August, September at full speed, ready to engage the family. That's singles and doubles. That's boring baseball, but that's how you win baseball. But let's now talk about the grand slam. Yeah. The grand slam Ross is to take these two articles or take this podcast. And I'm going to go to my pastor and I'm going to say, pastor, no one cares more about the children and families in our church than you. And I'm, I'm asking myself as the children's ministry leader that you've, you've tasked as leading this in the church. I'm asking myself, what are we going to do if the families don't come back? What are we going to do? Like, what's, that's not what we want. So pastor, can you, can you join me? Could you read these two articles and give me 30 minutes of your time so we can discuss them together? And I think what's going to happen is the pastor is going to read these two articles and going to say, hey, no way, no way. We're, this, is, this is not the future of our church. Yeah. And we're, we're going to pray together and we're going to hustle and work hard. And that pastor is going to join you in this mission of casting vision for the fall 
and, and putting a plan together and making sure that the, doing everything we can to help make it easy for that family to say, I'm ready, I'm ready. We're gonna re-engage because discipling my kids is the most important job I have in my life. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.